Welcome to Ag Credit Set It. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from all parts of the agriculture industry to bring you insights and must-have information on all things from farming to finances and everything in between. Yeah, Libby, before we get started, real quick, have to give my mandatory disclaimer as uh, as an attorney. So I'm giving the uh, the answers uh, to, to Libby's questions based exclusively on my knowledge of Ohio law and as an Ohio attorney. So if you're listening uh, from out of state or out of the country, international uh, listeners are possible. Uh, please consult local counsel if for yourself. Make sure that, uh, that you're uh, complying with your own state laws. And then also, uh, for even the Ohio listeners, please make sure you have your own legal counsel in place to determine if these answers are the best course of action for your family and your farm. Welcome back to Season 3 of Ag Credit Said It. And today, we are talking about an, the unfortunate event of a farm accident that could happen on anyone's farm and what the steps are that family, family members should consider um, today, I am happy to have Ryan Conklin with us, who is owner and attorney from Wright & Moore Law Firm located here in Delaware. And we are super excited because we are here in their new office, which is, if you guys know where they are in Delaware, is just right across the street from their old office. Mm-hmm. And so it is beautiful. It's awesome. Welcome, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, Libby. I'm glad to be on uh, Ag Credit Set It. And also, I have to give my thanks to Ag Credit for financing uh, our construction loan here. So glad to be a member and also a guest on the podcast. Yes, this is exciting. Are you happy to be done with construction? Oh, yes. Um, it has been uh, like a second job here for the last <laughs> nine months or so. Uh, really, really thrilled to be in our space, getting settled, getting unpacked. Uh, and then we'll take a few more weeks, get everything in good position. But November, we'll be ready to roll for busy season. Yeah, and for those of you who just rave about their decorations, I promise the decor is even better than before. So they are really excited for their new space and all the new decorating that had been done previously. Mm -hmm. So we'll just get to it. Ryan, Mm -hmm. um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you have got to where you are today? Of course. Uh, So I grew up on a dairy farm around Plain City, uh, just about 20 minutes away from here in Delaware. Uh, our farm was on a uh, on a state route, a very busy state route, which is going to mm-hmm. become important later since we're talking about farm accidents. Uh, but uh, very traditional rural upbringing, small public farm school, FFA, uh, did a lot of work there, went to Ohio State, studied uh, animal sciences and agribusiness, uh, went down, did a stint at Florida, University mm-hmm. of Florida for a little while. Uh, yes, all the rumors are true. It's a swamp. It is not... <laughs> um, it is not very comfortable there to walk around, but got my master's in ag ed there before returning to the Midwest and studying law at Michigan State. You've been all over. Yeah, I uh, really like my land-grant schools. <laughs> uh, but in case anybody's concerned, Ohio State through and through, no split allegiance. Uh, yeah, uh, always rooting for the Buckeyes um, to the end. <laughs> As you should be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so... What is one of the first things that family members should do after a farm accident? You know, especially with harvest. I know, you know, up in our area, we've already had a farm accident happen before harvest happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is just the first steps that they should take? Yep. Yeah. So it's. I think it's very fitting. Actually, we're recording this around Halloween. 
uh, because uh, farm accidents, I think, are the nightmare fuel uh, for for farmers and for farm families. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for my dad, it was always the 3 a.m. sudden wake up because he was having a dream that the cows were out on, <sighs> our, on our state route. Uh, so he would uh, he would have a lot of uh, wake up moments, really being worried about uh, whether whether the cows were kept in. Uh, and then, of course, he had a son who, you know, when he was five or six, uh, decided to leave the gate open uh, oh, once. So, uh, learned that at a young age that farm <laughs> accidents happen, uh, and also um, that's the quick way to get on your on your dad's bad side. Mm-hmm. There, you never forgot to close the gate again. I never forgot to close the gate again. So, lesson uh, hard learned. So, when uh, when you have one of those farm accidents occur, though. Uh, Really, that that instant, um, once you get past that instant shock that comes with the farm accident, uh, from the legal standpoint, what we're looking for is how are we documenting that incident? So, I mean, criminal authorities, whether it's state highway patrol, we would want them involved to to have their part if it's if it's a road based mm-hmm. accident, uh, if it's something like a maybe a combine fire. Um, whatever you can write down, whatever you can take pictures of, whatever you can document there on site, uh, that's an important thing for any potential insurance issues or any future legal issues is documenting that piece. But really, uh, uh, the first and foremost thing we got to worry about human safety, mm-hmm. right? If there's, there's injuries, take care of that. You know, don't don't be that crudent and sensitive person who you know where you know you, somebody injured right next to you, but you got your phone out trying to document the whole thing. That's uh, that's not good practice there. But uh, thinking about it again from an attorney's perspective, we really want to have as much evidence preserved there as possible. And as you get further and further away from the event, it's harder to do that. Yeah, just that you think you're going to remember every detail. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, after that shock, it's just you, it's amazing how much you forget. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just taking one photo, it's taking multiple photos. And that's the greatest thing about having our smartphones right now is because we can document a lot of that. Right, right. And, and uh, even aside from the documentation piece, you know, just the conversations that you have with with folks afterwards, you know, you might uh, you might hear someone say, if you're in a in a fender bender, you know, don't walk up to the person and say you're sorry because that admits guilt. Mm. You know, that's not nece- I wouldn't say that's necessarily the case, but you know what you say and what you do after that uh, after that accident, that's all discoverable information uh, as part of any legal proceeding. So, uh, you know what what you're saying, just be careful about that piece. Uh, but as you get further away from that event, uh, obviously one of the first people you want to notify is your insurance agent uh, to oh, see yeah. if there's any claims to file uh, for property damage or if there's any personal injury that you would need to worry about. Yeah, I know. And like my dad, he actually this fall or this summer had somebody come through and drive through his cornfield. Granted, that's not necessarily an accident, but just documenting that whole you know, that whole process of everything that happened and then taking pictures and then in contacting that insurance company, you know, even on the property side of it, um, you know, preparing for the, for this podcast, I didn't even think about that, but you know, that goes that, you know, that's something else that goes into it when you don't think of like an actual accident or something like that happening. Yeah. We're probably being narrow in our scope of farm yeah. accidents here. Uh, I mean, this, this can be everything from, from, you know, our dreaded roadside accidents with involving moving equipment uh, my my poor farm accident with leaving the gate open or uh, animals running at large would be a problem. You know, you could have um, 
you have equipment fires, barn fires. I mean, the, the, the range of possibilities here is wide. And uh, I know the statistics bear out the danger of, of farming and agriculture as a profession. And yeah, you know, the, the fact that we have a farm safety week, I think, bears the importance of, of this. Yeah, absolutely. Can we dive in a little bit more into um, kind of like having livestock running? Mm-hmm. So how who is really liable at that point if you have livestock running around or have some cattle or pigs or whatever loose on the road? Mm-hmm. That's a great question, Libby. I, I love this one. I will never, <laughs> ever... So if you know our practice, we deal primarily with farm succession, a lot of landowner representation. Those are our core practice areas. But what I consider to be a legal unicorn in agriculture is an animals running at large case. <laughs> uh, these are fun to write about. They're fun to hypothesize about. Uh, but um, you know, for those who experience them, they can be really, really bad. Uh, so when we are analyzing animals running at large cases, we're looking at two factors. Is there a criminal issue and is there a civil issue? Uh, And the type of enclosures that you're using for your livestock do make a difference here. Now, I'm sure a lot of the reasonable ag credit members that are listening here are not trying to enclose their cattle with baling twine (laughs) and only baling twine, and that's Mm it. You know, they, they use... The, the proper enclosures, the proper fencing and, and gates there. But uh, there is that bad actor out there who really just kind of pieces together their fencing, mm-hmm. uh, really does a poor job at maintenance there. You know, the cows keep getting out. They just keep kind of putting in and tying a little wire and away they go. Uh, so if you're consistently doing that and you're aware that it's a problem over and over, uh, you might be looking at some criminal exposure there. Uh, so that that's something... You certainly don't want to find yourself uh, in, in a position of defending yourself in, uh, in open court uh, as to how you enclose your livestock. So on the criminal side, that's a prosecutor decision, whether they're going to, to go that route if your livestock keeps getting out. On the civil side, you know, if you have cattle or hogs or animals that get out uh, and somebody hits them on the road or there's an accident, you know, then we're looking at, uh, at civil, uh, civil analysis there. And... Uh, you know, not every animal running at large equals liability. You know, if animals, livestock, they are still animals at the end of the day. And there's only a certain level of control that we as farmers can can exert over them. So if you've done everything right uh, for your enclosures, your gates, and maintaining that livestock, and they still get out because cows are naturally athletic, <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's uh, probably not a lot of legal, legal exposure that you have in that case. So if somebody had, like, let's say you have that bad apple farmer mm-hmm. who um, cattle keep getting out, but they're not actively trying to get their cattle back in. Mm-hmm. Now, and you have other people who, you know, neighbors and that who, you know, are, I mean, can they can they call the sheriff and say like, hey, so-and-so's cattle are out running around, you know, we've seen them, but there's no active... Um, nobody's actively trying to get them back into where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's say uh, Libby's cows are out running at large, but it's a Saturday afternoon in the fall, and Ohio State is playing Purdue, which I, gosh, I sure hope they win that game this weekend or otherwise when people air this, when you air this <laughs> podcast, people are going to get bad memories. But um, Libby's saying, oh, you know what? I really don't feel like leaving the couch. Ohio State's on, and... 
they they won't go too far. They'll just get into the neighbors. They'll come back. They'll come back. They know where home is. Uh, I, I think that is something that would contribute to civil liability. Okay. Number one, uh, especially if there's property damage or personal injury involved, but it would also contribute to uh, a prosecutor's criminal case against you, uh, because your your duty to the public not only is to keep those animals enclosed, but if they get out, you, know, you have to show a reasonable effort to get them back in. So that can be a real problem for you if you <laughs> you know if you're that bad apple and you're just not actively trying, which I guarantee you is just that's not like you said the majority of our customers but that's just something to think about you know that that could really be damaging to to your farming operation um so let's talk about now okay let's say that there's a farming accident where somebody passes away Mm -hmm. and it's right here now and in fall and that person is the owner of everything so mm-hmm. grain how, how are we selling grain how are mm-hmm. we working with titled vehicles how how does all of that work and what should people do mm-hmm. yeah this is the um, really horrible area of overlap where um, liability or farm accidents or farm safety meets farm succession too mm-hmm. um, because especially in harvest time accidents um, that they, they're particularly high stress so they're particularly concerning because you, you still got to get that crop in you still got to prepare for for the next year um, it, it's really an unfortunate fact pattern because you have a family that is simultaneously trying to grieve mm-hmm. trying to mourn the loss of a loved one but at the same time you know that the farm has has very high demands and it's very unforgiving and you have factors that are working against you uh, with weather and, and time there. Mm-hmm. So if you have a family that, that experiences one of these uh, unfortunate losses, uh, I think having legal counsel in place to be able to jump on on those requirements, start probate proceedings if necessary, um, those would be important if you, if you don't have much of a plan or, or much structure in place. Uh, I know what Ag Credit preaches and what we certainly preach at Right and More is having that plan in place mm-hmm. well in advance to ensure continuity, even though they are very slim chances that there would be accidents that occur um, and even uh, lower chance that those accidents are fatal, you still have to plan for those, those what ifs and have uh, uh, an idea of what people need to do to be able to continue the farm business if someone passes away. Well, that's the thing. It couldn't, it's not just, we're not talking about dad son and daughter where dad passes away it could be husband and wife and it could be a young couple you know I think of you know my husband and I it's does you know does the wife have an idea of what's going on do we know where where we need to sell our grain do we know where our grain is even stored to sell it It, it's just you know there's a lot that goes into it that I think things need like you go back to documentation we, we all of those things need to be documented somewhere and held in a place that everybody has access to. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you have, you know, have created an entity or you're working individually, um, you know, there's just a lot that's there. Right, right. But going back to like selling the grain, like how do you sell the grain in their name? Do you sell the grain? Like how 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 do how do you you know what what when should you do? When you're showing up at the elevator, what what are you telling? Because you have to get that crop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thankfully, uh, a lot of the co-ops that are working in the ag credit territory are very flexible with this, and 
And this is kind of the benefit of, of having existing relationships with a lender, with an attorney, with your cooperative, uh, is that you know, r- really what happens or should happen on the legal side is not often what happens practically. Mm-hmm. So if you have a um, husband or wife passed away or both of them passed away uh, and son or daughter is you know, trying to get that crop in, taking grain to the elevator, uh, you know, what, what you can do in the, in the short term, keep selling it as, as it is, uh, keep marketing it as it is, uh, and then you know, uh, once harvest is complete, then take care of the proceedings to be able to get those, uh, get those moved over. Uh, and oftentimes, again, our experience is that co-ops will uh, allow for the movement of those accounts without uh, any extra judicial proceedings. So I think you said something very important there, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to hit hard on. Working with cooperatives is very easy and, you know, and is very, um, I don't want to say forgiving, but, you know, they, if you are a member of that cooperative, you know, you, you have that relationship with them. You know, you have that relationship, you said, with your lender, which at credit is a cooperative um, and is understanding, you know, how, how farms work and how farm families um, are working, working together in that unfortunate event. And so I just want to hit that on there, that, that that is a key thing of, you know, cooperatives were created by farmers. And, and that is right. really, really helpful, um, helpful in an event like this. Right. And even ag credits, uh, another great example, because. Uh, as a cooperative, you issue stock to your members, mm-hmm. which, again, in the difference between legal and practical, the, the legal um, analysis is that stock is a titled asset. It's something that uh, you, you have your name attached to it. It's, it would be a probate asset if not handled correctly. But as I'm sure many, uh, many ag credit employees or ag credit members can, can attest to, when you have that person who passes away, and they're a member of the co-op, uh, but you've got that existing relationship, that stock is going to find, at credit, will make sure that stock finds its way to the right place. Yes, absolutely, we will. <laughs> and with that, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Make your year-end equipment purchases easy with Farm Credit Express. Through a partnership with Ag Credit and participating dealers, Farm Credit Express is designed to provide you with competitive rates, flexible terms, and the conveniences you're looking for in an equipment finance program. Apply for Farm Credit Express financing at a participating dealership. Take advantage of manufacturer cash discounts and enjoy the benefits of cooperative ownership, including Ag Credit's patronage program. Visit farmcreditexpress.com for a list of participating dealers or contact your local Ag Credit team for more information. All right, welcome back. Um, We are going to... Um, start talking about how we can prevent some of these issues um, and help be proactive in case we have that unfortunate event. So, Ryan, how can we prevent problems with, you know, titled vehicles, landlords, um, even what we were talking about before, you know, having to sell grain with, you know, an individual? um, What are some things that we can do to help um, any of these events go a little bit smoother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'll use this analogy that I've used in a probably ad credit pr- webinars or presentations, so I hope this isn't redundant for, for your listeners. Uh, a- attorneys or professional advisors, accountants, financial advisors, lenders, insurance, uh, all of those advisors make much better fire alarms than they do fire extinguishers. Mm-hmm. So when you are, um, when you are, 
in the midst of a farm accident, um, that is not the time to be saying, okay, you know, if I, I think it's time that I, I get around to doing this. That is, you know, by then it really might be too mm-hmm. late to, to have any preventive steps to, to, to do anything about that accident. So a level of proactivity is, is really required to engage in effective prevention, but that's hard. You know, mm-hmm. the, just think about your own farm businesses or your own um, your own operations. Uh, how often is it that there's just something that comes up that prevents you from making that phone call or establishing that relationship or or getting a policy updated? Or um, you know, I, I think everybody always answers the phone for their lenders. You know, especially uh, during harvest time. Uh, I know that if there's a farm to buy or if there's a farm to sell or something. Mm-hmm. And you need to talk to your lender. They'll come in and they'll they'll see, they'll see Libby. They'll 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 take your phone calls and answer your emails. If it's coming from me, I was, eh, you know, we'll we'll wait till December. We can find excuses, right? Right. We can always find excuses. So I think some of those uh, the first preventative steps or or proactive steps that you can take uh, to prepare prepare for a farm accident. It really starts with having that plan in place that we talked about earlier. And it's not just succession that we talk about in the legal sense, it's succession in the business sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, having some continuity, a decision maker, knowing where important documents are kept, knowing which bills need to be paid, which account they need to come from. Uh, you know, again, we can probably reference some examples of, of families where, you know, gosh, if, if husband passes away or, or wife mm-hmm. passes away, Nobody knows where any of the bills need to go or where they come from or how any of the books work or mm-hmm. how anything works on the marketing side. So really having that plan in place is is such a key step. And then the the other point I'll hit on there is um, in farm accidents, the legal side can hinge on minutia, on the, just the smallest things so often. It's mm-hmm. simple things like replacing a headlight or or checking your lights ahead of time or or you know being being uh get, getting over just a little further on the road or you know checking um you know, having that fire extinguisher recharged uh, on the combine. It's just those little things that can make a difference. Um having the gate locked mm-hmm. is a good one. <laughs> um but those are just really easy small examples that can tilt a legal case one way or another. So it's just slowing down during harvest. I mean, I know some harvests and some planting seasons, it's like, go, 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 because we have this short window, but it's slowing down and doing the things that we need to do Mm -hmm. to keep everybody safe, just doing the right thing. I think it's really important as a young couple to, or as a young beginning farmer to have that board of directors of that CPA, your attorney, your insurance agent, and get that started early on in your career, just so you establish those relationships and you can work with, um, you know, work with those people throughout your entire career and they will get to know your operation very intimately. They can change as you, you know, change whatever, you know, area that they're in as you grow through your operation. Um, and so then you can be prepared for if anything happens and can advise you, um, in those, in those aspects, because I think what our generation does really well is if we don't know something, we find somebody who is an expert in that and helps us and we bounce ideas off of them. And I think that's really important, whether you're using who dad uses, dad and mom use, or you find somebody who's younger, 
um, that is, you know, as a young beginning farmer with you or understands, you know, what you're doing. I just think that is so key to preventing a lot of things and just giving you a lot of pointers or has expertise to lead you in the right direction. Right, right. I don't know if there's any other industry out there that is as relationship driven as agriculture. And that's, Mm -hmm. that is both the macro relationships, you know, trade organizations at the state or national level, uh, agribusinesses that, that work together. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of, um, a lot of connection there at the macro level, but going all the way down to the micro level, family farm areas, that strong relationship with, with a lender, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're borrowing from ag credit and we're third or fourth generation borrowers or, uh, you know, our, our accountant has done the tax returns for multiple generations of our family. You know, when we, when we go to do our taxes each year, we drop off the the shoebox full of receipts for <laughs> for all three family members. Or when we go to do our our updates with with our lender, uh, it's it's coming in as a family to do that. Uh, so those those kind of strong relationships are are areas that help you plan really multiple generations mm-hmm. down and and help a family really absorb any of those accidents or any of those issues that can come their way. So building that board of directors, building that group of professional advisors uh, and starting those, those connections early. Um, it's, it, I think it can pan out as you, you know, play out your entire career mm-hmm. uh, that, that those relationships or those connections you established early really put your farm business or put your uh, professional life on a great track. Yeah, it almost gives you that competitive edge, too. You know, everybody's looking for that competitive edge on their farm, and I truly think that's your competitive edge, um, having that board of directors. Yeah, yeah, good. and a good point on the board of directors, too, um, is to remember that that group is there to work for you mm-hmm. and should be working for you. So, you know, you, you are you're the chair. You're the one responsible for holding that group accountable, uh, so we tell this to, to clients all the time uh, with, with their legal counsel uh, relationships. You know, there, there should be no fear about being able to walk into your legal counsel's office and saying you're not doing a good job or you're not meeting my standards this way. Uh, it, it's written into our, the law governing lawyers that uh, the client controls the representation. So if we're not doing a good job, you know, we are merely custodians of your file. You tell us, hey, Right and more, or or wrong and less. You're you're <laughs> responsible for um, doing this a certain way. You're not doing it. I would like my file back so I can take it elsewhere. Uh, so those are uh, those things that that, uh, that listeners need to keep in mind. Is you're the boss with those so relationships. You can fire them so if you, you need can to. Fire them. <laughs> yes, you can fire them. Keep keep us uh, keep us on our toes. Make sure we're doing a good job. Well, I think that's a really good point, though, for for all all um, professional advisors. Um, So we talked about, um, you know, planning ahead, being very, very proactive. Um, So lastly here, what advice would you give a young beginning farmer? Um, I know we've talked about it a little bit here, but what other advice would you give a young beginning farmer um, just on farm accidents and, and what to do in that aspect? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this is a, a great lesson I learned early in, in my career about um, uh, about the practice of law, and I think it translates very well over to the over to the farm practice. Before you can do something quickly, 
you have to do it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's so easy, whether it's practice of law or on the farm, to where like we're we're all about output. We're all about how quickly can we get to um, get to the finished product mm-hmm. or get to the next job or get to the next task. You know, we're we're task oriented. We know what what we've got to get through. The to do list is miles long, and right there at the <laughs> bottom is calling your attorney. That's consistently at the bottom, but. <clears throat> What it, it took extra time, and it took a lot of extra work that you know, may, maybe I didn't have time for. But what really helped me grow as a practitioner was taking time to understand, to, to slow down, do things correct, but also understand the why behind the what. Mm-hmm. And doing those those little farm safety steps that we talked about earlier, taking time to slow down and take care of those Focus on the, on those details. I think you can find long term as you grow in your career as a young producer that focusing on those details really helped you see the the big picture uh, long term. Yeah, and doing those little things is you know we want you to continue your operation. We want it to be generational. You know, it's we can prevent farm accidents as much as we can. We know those unfortunate events will just you know will just happen, um, but we want to see you guys. For, you know, for years and years and years and see you guys grow and be successful. Right, right. Another, <clears throat> another really good, uh, good area to hit on. And this is, this is a selfish plug here. Um, <laughs> you know, Kayla and Libby, you can join in my great career long quest to get written farm leases and every farm Absolutely. lease everywhere. So it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a farm safety issue, but it is a farm security issue. Even in the last 60 days, have fielded three different calls from three different uh, farms saying, hey, I've got a landlord that's selling a farm and they want to boot me off for next mm-hmm. year. Uh, well, do you have a written lease? Well, no. Uh, we got a handshake. And and I understand the the tradition and the heritage and the, the culture behind those handshake deals. You know, our, our industry ran for a long time on those arrangements. But for 2023, they've really don't, they're really not feasible anymore. Uh, it's a tremendous risk, especially if you have a high number of rented acres for your mm-hmm. operation or as a, as a young producer that's really trying to get established. It's a very big risk to try and, and build your acres and secure that rented ground purely on handshakes. Uh, because I can, I can assure you, at some point, those landlords might pass away, or there's a transition of ownership, yes. and they might not have the same feelings about that that farm tenant uh, as as your predecessor. Yeah, no, that is a great point because we have had so many farms come up for sale, um, you know, going to auction, and it's been the next generation and not, you know, the the original landlord that made made that lease and promised and promised and promised. Well. When it comes to the next generation, who is further removed from that from that farm, mm-hmm. you know that that's why it's going up for auction. You know, and and I hit on that with all of my clients, especially my young clients. You know, that is just to protect you. Um, you know, that is just a big protection. And then the law that was passed about um, the September 1st date. Can you talk a little bit about th- about that? Of course. Uh, that was a fun bill to work on uh, with uh, Ohio Farm Bureau and uh, Ohio State Bar Association. 
uh, really as the as the champions of of that bill. So we were looking at other Midwestern states and how they handled written or excuse me verbal farm leases, uh, and they actually have uh, other Midwestern states have laws on the books that say, you know, landlord, if you don't provide notice of termination by a certain date, then the farm lease that is verbal continues into the next year. Uh, and the mindset there, looking to protect our our farm tenants, our farmers in this case. What we want to do is is give you security going into the fall that you can purchase inputs, that you can conduct tillage, you can put a wheat crop in, you can put cover crops down. You can take all of those steps without fear that you know on February 1st, you're going to get the rug pulled out from under you. So Ohio uh, passed a similar law last year. Uh, this has been the first full year that it's been in effect. Uh, but uh, it requires that if you're a landlord, and you want to offload a, a property, you want to sell it and terminate the farm lease, you've got to do it September 1st, on or before September 1st, in writing of the current year. And that's for the next crop season. So if I tried to terminate a farm lease right now, I would be not in compliance with that law. So the farm tenant that I would try to terminate now would actually have a lease through the end of this year and through the end of next year. So again still to protect yourself and to keep that relationship with your landlord, please have your leases written and if they're over three years, filed. Yep. <laughs> I think, Livy, the, the kids would say, say it louder for people in the back. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's uh, thank you for joining the great quests that I'm on to get all these these written farm leases uh, in place. No, that's, that is such a good point and a good thing, you know, to still talk about. I mean, again, it could it could come into you know play if there was a farming accident you know and dad was taking over and you know with the next generation you know coming on it just there's a lot of play that could come into that so right. um, we want to thank you Ryan we know you're a great resource um, for our members and my husband and I have our own success story using Ryan so we highly recommend his practice um, if you guys have um, if you guys are looking at succession planning um, or just need some legal advice um, they will travel you know they are here to provide that service and that expertise of you know ag attorneys um, and this will do it for another episode of ag credit said it um, we will have all the resources in our show notes and we will see you guys next time and we hope you guys have a very safe and bountiful harvest thank you for listening to ag credit said it be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode while you are there leave us a review to help others find the show Let's talk ag in between episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at AgCredit. For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net.